Welcome to On the Ground for Palestine and Israel for the week of June 11th, 2022. Brought to you by Kumi Now. It's hot here in Israel and Palestine. It's uh, something like 7 degrees above the average or thereabouts. Uh, but this podcast isn't about the weather, so I'm not going to confirm it. And please don't fact check me on that. But for the rest of the podcast, feel free to check my sources and let us know if we got anything wrong. We start with the news this week that Palestinian citizens of Israel have lost a prominent activist for women's rights and against violence. 28-year-old Johara Knifas from the northern town of Sfaram was killed in a car bombing Tuesday evening. She is the daughter of the deputy mayor of the town. Knifas worked as an activist for women's rights and against violence in the community. According to reports, police are investigating whether a relative of hers may have been involved in the attack and whether the bombing was linked to her work as an activist. They've apparently ruled out the possibility that the killing was related to her father's work. Last year, she gave an interview to Arab 48 in which she decried violence in Arab communities. Quote, The phenomenon of violence is one of the negatives we face. We feel insecure in our society and it hinders our progress in all areas of life and creates fear among members of Arab society. As the Times of Israel notes, quote, Arab communities have seen a surge in violence in recent years, driven mainly, but not only, by organized crime. Arab Israelis blame the police who they say have failed to crack down on powerful criminal organizations and largely ignore the violence, which includes family feuds, mafia turf wars, and violence against women. The community has also suffered from decades of neglect. Hers was the 32nd murder in the Arab community this year, and the fifth woman. Second, Jordan's Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Expatriates has denounced continued settler assaults on the Greek Orthodox Patriarchate's properties in the occupied city of Jerusalem. The ministry was warning of repercussions after the Israeli Supreme Court recently ruled in favor of settler takeovers of two high-profile hotels in the old city of Jerusalem, stressing its denial of the Israeli court's authority in the occupied Palestinian territories and in East Jerusalem. A ministry spokesperson affirmed Jordan's absolute rejection of all measures aimed at changing the identity of occupied East Jerusalem, including the old city. Now, why should we pay special attention to what Jordan has to say about holy sites in Jerusalem? The ministry argues that Jordan has a role in protecting and tending to Muslim and Christian holy sites in Jerusalem based on the Hashemite custodianship. And what is that? Hashemite custodianship refers to the royal family of Jordan's role in tending Muslim and Christian holy sites in the city of Jerusalem. It stretches back to 1924 when the Supreme Muslim Council, the Muslim body in charge of Muslim community affairs in mandatory Palestine, chose Hussein bin Ali, the Shalif of Mecca, as custodian of Al-Aqsa. That custodianship has been administered by consecutive Jordanian kings. While Jordan lost the West Bank in the 1967 Six-Day War, the Peace Treaty of 1994 stated that Israel commits to respect that custodianship. As a result, it is a Jordanian trust that manages and maintains Al-Aqsa and the Dome of the Rock. And King Abdullah II participated in funding the renovation of Christ's tomb in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in 2017. Third, on Thursday, Israeli forces shot Muslim teen Muhammad Fadel Tamimi in the village of Nabi Saleh, northwest of Ramallah. He was shot by a soldier in the head with a sponge-tipped bullet. Luckily, his condition has been described as stable. The soldiers, the soldiers also shot his brother in the same incident, and he is also stable. If the story sounds familiar, it might be because Mohammed has previously been shot in the head by Israeli occupation forces. On December 15, 2017, Mohammed, who was 15 at the time, was seriously injured by Israeli army fire when the soldiers shot him with a rubber-coated steel bullet in the face from close range. He was put in a medical-induced coma to treat his head injury and regain consciousness a few days later. It was his shooting that led to Ahmed Tamimi, along with her mother and cousin, approaching two soldiers outside their home. Ahed was filmed slapping one of the soldiers as she yelled at him. 
Hothead was later arrested in a night raid and served eight months in prison before being released as part of a plea deal. In the past few weeks, we've pointed out a couple of times that the Israeli court system has ruled that flying the Palestinian flag is perfectly legal in Jerusalem. However, facts on the ground seem to say otherwise, with soldiers ripping flags off the hearsts of a murder journalist and confiscating flags from, and in many cases arresting people, raising the flag during the Israeli flag march. Well, now the Knesset is attempting to make the law match the practice. Mondeweiss reports that a bill banning the Palestinian flag passed a preliminary vote in the Israeli Knesset. Notably, although the bill refers to, quote, enemy flags, the only specific flag mentioned by the bill is the Palestinian flag. The bill must pass a further three Knesset votes before it becomes law, so it isn't officially law yet, but it is further evidence of the Knesset's goals in Jerusalem. Finally, we end our news from Palestine with some good news. Haaretz reports that, for the first time in years, Gazans are enjoying clean seawater. Gaza's clean beaches come thanks to internationally funded sewage treatment facilities. Work isn't completely done, however, with the Hamas-run Environment Quality and Water Authority saying sewage dumped into the sea was now partially treated. That makes 65% of the beaches safe and clean. Of course, this good news comes after a report in January that Israel was unexplainably holding up shipments of parts needed for the work, pushing back the project by months, as more and more sewage drained directly into the Mediterranean. In activism news around the world, we have two stories to note this week. First, the band Big Thief has canceled their upcoming July concerts in Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv is the home of one of the band members, and they'd previously played in Tel Aviv in 2017. The announcement comes just a week after they released a statement stating that, quote, we are well aware of the cultural aspect of the BDS movement and the desperate reality of the Palestinian people. But they plan to play their shows anyway, with proceeds donated to NGOs in the region. To be honest, I'm not sure why Big Thief has drawn the attention it has, as other successful bands continue to play Israeli shows with little fanfare. Finally, Palestine Chronicle reports that Hollywood's Mark Ruffalo has called out PayPal's discrimination against Palestinians. In short, PayPal has no problem doing business with illegal Israeli settlers in the West Bank, but it refuses to provide services to Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank. Now, I wouldn't normally report on what a single actor says about Israel and Palestine, but he included a link to a petition, and that petition has been gaining a lot of traction. So please, take a minute to find that link in the show notes, I'll listen near the top, and add your name to it. And that's our news this week. On the Ground for Palestine is produced by Kumi Now, an initiative of Sabil Jerusalem that is focused on nonviolent solutions to occupation based on international law. This week, Kumi Now focuses on tourism and pilgrimage in Palestine and how it is affected by the occupation. We have a webinar this Tuesday at 6 p.m. Palestine time with Rami Kassis, the Executive Director of Alternative Tourism Group. Remember, links to the stories mentioned in this podcast are always available below the video or in the show notes. If you like this weekly roundup, we suggest you subscribe to this podcast through your favorite podcast app, join us at kuminow.com, follow us on social media, and join our weekly Kumi Now newsletter. You can sign up at kuminow.com forward slash register. You can let us know what you think of this news roundup by emailing us at kumi at kuminow.com. We thank you for your role in activism for Palestine and Israel, for only together may we rise up.